Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Will you pray with me, please? 
God, we ask you to be with us now as we hear your word. We pray that you open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have been meaning to speak to us. Call us and help us to be faithful. In Christ we pray. Amen. Well, some of you may remember a story I told about Gertie. I think it's appropriate to tell that story again. She was 76 years old, member of a church. She became concerned about the young people in her church. And she decided to volunteer to help the high school kids. Pastor asked her, what would you like to do, Gertie? And she said, well, I don't know, but God and I will figure it out. She was not a speaker. She didn't think she was young enough to play their games. Didn't want to lead Bible studies or be counselor at a camp. But she had a camera. And she took the camera, took pictures of each of the kids in the youth group, got their biographical information, put it on the back of each one of their pictures, so that every Sunday night when the kids came to their youth meeting, she stood at the door, greeted each one by name. And then as they left, she would say goodbye using them, their name and promised to pray for them. Ten years later, ten years of ministry with the youth, Gertie has suffered three strokes. This prospect of death distressed the kids. They wanted to do something for her but didn't know what to do. And so, one evening, the youth leader had an idea. Gertie, he said, I want to do your funeral. She said, yes, I know. I want you to do my funeral, but I'm not dead yet. And he said, no, I mean, I want to do your funeral while you're alive. So you can hear what you mean to these youth and to your church. She loved the idea, and they began working on her funeral. The day came, you can imagine, the church was packed full of young people who had been blessed by Miss Gertie. Some of them fresh from graduating high school, some from college, some married, some had children. It was a wonderful service, but near the end of the service, the back of the sanctuary, the high school students gathered together, put something behind their backs, as if hiding something from her. You have to know something about Gertie. She, though 86 years old, she still loved very fine perfume. No cheap old person perfume, she said. She liked the good stuff, like Estee Lauder's Beautiful. That was her favorite. Young people walked down the aisle, hands behind their back clumped together, when they got to the front, they brought out the bottle of perfume, broke it, and poured all that wonderful perfume over her feet. 
as an expression for their gratitude for all she had done. Like those grateful young people that anointed Gertie's feet for her funeral, Mary had anointed Jesus' feet a costly perfume made of expensive nard while his own disciples could not concede to his fate on a cross Mary gave Jesus a living funeral so the next day as he made his royal entry into Jerusalem I think he could smell that perfume from his feet. A reminder of Mary's gratitude, her generosity, her love. There were multitudes of people along the street cheering him, praising his name, celebrating his arrival. Now, some scholars believe that not everyone lined along the street was there for Jesus. They were just there for the parade. We love a good parade, don't we? We have some good ones here. What do they say down here? What's the saying? Pass a good time? Pass a good time. All right. Some may have been passing a good time. What's all the fuss? They love a good parade. So maybe to some, Jesus was a spectacle. Still, many who knew him were there to cheer him on and to celebrate him. John tells us that this crowd gathered was the same crowd that had gathered the evening before for a festival. They gathered to see the risen Lazarus. Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. They all wanted to see this miracle. The next day, they line the road. Ironically, they follow and praise Jesus because he's just called someone out of a tomb, unaware he's come to enter a tomb. To them, Jesus was a miracle worker. Jesus attracts all sorts of people. There's a nursery rhyme, you know it, goes like this. Pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? I've been to London to see the queen. Pussycat, pussycat, what did you there? I frightened a little mouse under her chair. all that way to London. But instead of seeing the queen in all her royal regalia, poor kitty cat sees only a mouse. Basically, this cat missed what it went to London to see. The crowd goes to Jerusalem, all the way to Jerusalem, missed what it came to see. They don't realize this royal entry is a funeral procession. Twelve disciples didn't get it. Mary, though she seems to get it, she seems to know something anyway. 
People often say, I've heard this, how wonderful it would have been to live in the days of Jesus. I think we say that because living with so much distance from the actual event, we feel we've lost something. We feel like if we were there, then we could get more of the spiritual stuff closer to the event. That if we were there, we would understand the scriptures better before all the, the million different translations that are out there. That if we were there, closer to the event, we would discover a faith more genuine and more authentic, something of greater value. We feel so much is lost in 2,000 years. But I think this is one time to be glad to be living today and not back then. I think our distance has an advantage to those actually lining the streets, praising Jesus. These folks didn't see this parade for a king as a funeral. But we know. Would you have lined the streets in celebration had it been a funeral. But we know the truth about his entry because we're told the advantages we get to hear the irony in the story. We get to hear the voices of people speaking, telling us what it means. That it's not Jesus' disciples, those closest to him, those who would have heard his pr predictions, those who should have known and recognized what was happening for what it truly was, turns out, John tells us, it's his opponents who speak the word of truth that day. The opponents, the reverence, who speak a profound truth. Listen to them in verse 19. The New Revised Standard translation puts it this way. Staring at the crowd, you see, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. That's as if to say, it's out of our hands. Who can halt a freight train running full throttle. The ball is rolling. The world has gone after him. Nothing we can do. You can't do anything. Now for his enemies or his opponents, this is a problem. How many of you experienced this morning on Palm Sunday as an overwhelming problem? For God, though, it's not a problem, it's a plan. The expression of divine love that cannot happen otherwise. They speak the truth, though they do not understand what they're saying. To them, Jesus is a problem. You see, you can do nothing. One of the things that I love, we love about this country 
is that we get to choose our leaders. We get to choose our commissioners, our sheriffs, our mayors, our senators, our representatives, our president, people of power and influence and importance. We regular people, every several years, get to cast our votes, practice our constitutional power, which in turn powers, empowers leaders. We make her mayor. We elect him senator. In our country, power is in the hands of the people. And we love that. Now consider the time of Scripture when Israel was occupied by uh, Rome, a foreign power. Now imagine waking up every morning with a ruler that had been placed over you by a foreign power. Where you can't wake up, cross the street without dodging foreign soldiers on horseback. Where you're not allowed to choose your leaders, where you can't vote, and you feel powerless, quite unimportant. When your values and your opinions aren't represented at the Capitol, you may get, then, the significance of that day waving palm branches, hailing, welcoming King Jesus. We crown you king. Wouldn't you join in the cheers? I hope I would. Don't we, too, want to make Jesus king? Some today might want to make people make Jesus king, but you see, you can do nothing. We don't make him king. We let him be king in our lives, but we can do nothing. It's as if God knows that if the fate of Jesus were in our control, if it was in our hands, then we'd start thinking this whole business of Christianity and salvation was our great idea. We might start thinking that those who put him to death are to be blamed. But you see, you can do nothing. I think they're right, in a way. The reverence, that this is bigger than us. This is too big. The enormity of the situation means that we simply recognize Jesus, for who he is, is not in our control, but in the control of another. Preachers love to preach sermons that push people to do something. We expect now to be called on to do something, make a decision, walk the aisle, make a change. Sometimes, though, the call is simply to recognize Christ is King. We don't make him King, but we recognize him as King. Sometimes the only thing we can do is we see him riding into town, 
coming into church. On Easter, we'll recognize him as risen. Palm Sunday, anoint him for the grave. Christ is coming to our town, to our church, may already be here for those of us who have eyes to see. Didn't he teach us how to recognize him? Not in the glitz of Wall Street or the power of Pennsylvania Avenue, but in the faces of the hungry, the thirsty and the sick and the lonely and in prison. We could add a few more. Not in the glamour of riding in limousines, but in the humility of riding on a donkey. Not on thrones built for emperors, but on the cross built for criminals. Not in the amassing and flexing of muscles, but in the tearing of flesh and the spilling of blood. Jesus attracts all sorts of people. People like you and me, doubters, believers, those looking for a good parade, those looking for a miracle. Pilgrim, pilgrim, where have you been? I've been to Jerusalem to see the man Jesus. Pilgrim, pilgrim, what saw you there? Christian, Christian, where have you been? I've been to church to witness the Savior. Christian, Christian, what saw you there? Pray with me, please. Christ, help us not miss what we came to see. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Baltimore Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app. Or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.